Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. How to start, how to start. It's one of those weird days where you know, I've done thousands of these shows and thousands of ball games, and some days you just can't figure out the first thing you want to say on a show. And I've found that the best way to counter that is to just say, I don't know what to say to start today's show, and then you just start talking about whatever you want. Baseball trade deadline is coming. That's always fun. I know many of you are sports fans, so hopefully you guys uh, enjoy it. There's something weirdly satisfying about teams all just going after one another, moving players. I don't know why that... It doesn't make sense, because in our mind, as fans, we want guys to be on one team forever, but then at deadlines, we want everybody to move. Same thing with basketball. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about some early, real draft results. We're going to continue that on today's show. That'll roll us into the weekend, and then that allows me to hit a little bit of a reset button on personal time, of which I have had none over the last week. I do have a little bit of coverage today. I know. I know. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. That's actually a lie. I um, I haven't run an errand in a week and change because, I mean, I didn't know we were all going to end up with COVID at the end of last week. I, uh, I've got all these projects I need to do related to Sports Ethos, but I haven't been able to do them because they all require more than about 80 seconds of my attention, which is about how long you get when you're being yelled at by two kids constantly. But in the good news department, we uh, I actually forgot what I was about to say. In the good news department, we oh, I know, we have like 20 extra seconds if I want to go a little bit deeper on a player on today's show. I don't think we're going to go too deep. Um I was uh, graciously bestowed additional draft results. I uh, I have made a promise not to give away the the uh, person or persons that have been sending me late July draft results. Some of them are eight cats, some of them are nine, which is fine. Honestly, I don't want to break them down based on that type of thing. I, I I frankly I think it's better that we have this sort of mishmash because that's how the ADPs are going to end up. In Yahoo. So let's go ahead and dive on in. First of all, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for spending your offseason with us. We are uh, basically out of July now. Monday will be the last day of the month. We'll be into August, which is sort of the last what-do-we-do-now month as far as offseason podcasts go. Once you hit September, and frankly... Maybe even by mid-August. Because once Yahoo opens up their leagues, we're just going to start drafting. 
We're going to do mocks. We'll have some mocks on the weekends. We'll have some mocks that are YouTube only. We'll have some mocks that are bonus episodes here on the regular podcast feed. It has been mentioned to me that I don't do nearly enough public mocks. A lot of what I do is in private. Sometimes I'll post results. Sometimes I won't. Uh, So we're going to make a tweak on that for this coming season. My apologies. A lot of it, again, comes down to available time, which should get better for me in the month of September, although I guess we'll kind of see how that all shakes out. That'll be contingent on kids remaining in school and not missing entire weeks with... (sighs) Like this one. But anyway, I don't want to languish. I don't want to sit and mull over this one. I will say also, by the way, I I don't know if COVID brain is a thing. I know that they've said that it can make you a little bit foggy. I think that sometimes... We can forget one thing and then start thinking, oh, man, maybe I have COVID brain. And then you start forgetting everything. But I have been forgetting some stuff this week. Might just be because I'm not sleeping very much. But anyway, let's dive in. Yesterday, we noted that as we went through some of these early draft results, the top three was very consistent with a little tiny bit of shakeup. And now we have a little bit more data on that. So now, instead of, I think we were at four, maybe five drafts yesterday, now we're at, uh, like, 12. Jokic is in the top two in all of them. Interestingly, I actually went second in one draft, where somebody went Anthony Edwards at number one. I'm thinking that one had to be some sort of keeper-related. Even then, that doesn't entirely make sense. We mostly saw Embiid and Shea Gilgis-Alexander rotating between those two and three slots with Luka dropping in there from time to time. We do have a couple of Jason Tatum appearances in the top three now. And so I kind of went into today off of yesterday's show thinking, all right, well, we'll talk about that next chunk of players, which I do still kind of believe is accurate. I put a tweet about it, but I'll, I'll mention them here in a moment. The next group, as it appeared... After a uh, Jokic, Embiid, and SGA top three, which again, like, it's not going to be perfect, but that's the way that it mostly was looking, and it still does kind of mostly look that way, is that the next group was some combination of Luka, Tatum, Giannis, Halliburton, Steph, Damian Lillard. That was kind of it. After looking at a little bit more data this morning... I might amend that thought to note that the top three maybe is more like a top four where you could include Luka in that. You're going to see far more of that happen on the head-to-head side versus the Roto side because if you're in Roto, you're probably not punting a category on draft night. You might ultimately give up on a category if you're, you know, bottom two, bottom three, something like that. But if you're going into a punt right from the outset, it just takes a lot of options off the table for you. And you guys know I don't really like that particular technique. I am much more into the pivoting into a, you want to call it a punt or a give up or whatever, partway through the, the stream in Roto. You're seeing... A little bit more Tatum at the top. And so maybe where I was about to come on today's show and say, oh, well, there's this next group, this uh, six roughly names, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that were kind of 
somewhat interchangeable. Maybe this is more like, oh, there's a top two, basically, where it's going Jokic and Embiid a lot of the time. Not every time. Embiid doesn't get quite as much love in head-to-head as he does in Roto, but there's still a decent amount of it. Which, by the way, brings us back to another point. One of them being that my voice still hasn't really fully recovered from this COVID thing. Everybody's like, oh, Joel Embiid, massive injury risk, which is not wrong. But at the same time, if you look at the top, doesn't even really matter. If you look at the, like the top 20 almost per game guys this last year, the only guys that played more games in that chunk than Joel Embiid were Jokic and Shea, who played three more games than Embiid, Donovan Mitchell, if you're going down to number 15, who played two more than Joel, Freddie Van Vliet, who played four more, and Jason Tatum, who played eight more. Tatum was really the only player near the top of the bucket that played in, eight, in 90% of his team's games. The only one inside the top 20 in nine cat per game that got to 90% of his team's games. The vast majority of these guys were around Joel Embiid, where he was at 66. Other notable players at 66, Luka Doncic. Porzingis, 65. Butler, 65. JJJ, 63. Shea and Jokic, 69. Donovan Mitchell, 68. Larry Markkinen, 66. Miles Turner, 62. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. When you get outside the top 20, and I mean just barely here, you start to see that number rise a little bit. Demonis Sabonis is 79, Brooke Lopez 78, Nick Claxton 76, Vooch 83, yeah. Now you're into the late 20s, DeRozan 75, early 30s, Bridges also 83. Vooch was because of the play-in stuff. Adebayo 76. But that isn't necessarily to point out that those four or five guys in the top 30 were very durable. It's to point out how incredibly not durable the top 20 was this last year. It's not always quite like that. But I don't know that there's a whole lot of reason to stare down these dudes and point at any one of them and say, this guy is going to definitely play a bunch more games this coming season. I could pick out one of the players in the top 20 or I feel pretty confident in saying that dude's going to play more, and it's Tyrese Halliburton, who played in 56, 
Some of those were injury, but some of that was shut down. Uh, Dame at 58, you're almost, let's call it two. Dame at 58, you're probably going to see more because he also was shut down. Most of these guys that played 50-some-odd or 60-some-odd games, it was rest days, it was little nagging injuries, and it was just sort of the team set a target for them in that range, and they got there. Kawhi's going to get his games off. Porzingis is going to get his games off, most likely, in Boston this coming season because that's a team that's going to be near the top of the heap where they won't need to push him that hard. Harden is getting older. Doncic can't play every day. Not with the load that he puts on himself. AD's always hurt. KD is hurt a lot lately. Steph is older. These are not guys that were trying to get to 82 ball games. They weren't shut down. Maybe JJJ plays more because he'll start the season healthy, I guess. I don't know. I don't think they're going to push him that hard either. It just feels to me like Dame, who was shut down, and Halley, who was shut down. Those are the guys you look at in that top 20 and say, yeah, these guys probably play more games than we got this last year. Dame in what may be a much worse scenario or slightly worse scenario, and then Halliburton in what will be the same or even slightly better. Point of that tangential thought process was to note that Joel Embiid, much maligned for injury risk, and rightfully so, isn't that much more of a risk than the dudes around him anymore. It wasn't that he got all that much better. I mean, he did get a little bit tougher here instead of, you know, high 50s, low 50s. He's into the mid-60s now. Everybody else kind of came back. The pack came back to him a little bit. A couple of years ago, it was Embiid trying to break 55 games and everybody else playing 70 or 71. Now, Embiid is in the 60s and everybody else is in the 60s. They came together in a holy rest matrimony. I'm a little surprised that Shea is so consistently in the top four. Not necessarily because he doesn't deserve it. He was number three last year. He played in 69 games. He's probably going to try to play in that many again this coming season. It just does kind of feel like he maxed out a little bit last year. But at the same time, on a per-game basis, Anthony Davis, KD were kind of the only guys close to him, and it's not like those dudes are going to lap him in games played either. Will someone come out of the blue to leap into the top five this year? Sometimes it happens. We're not at that point of our discussion yet. We're at the point of this is some results that have come in, and this is what's been notable about them. And notable so far is that you're seeing a lot of Jokic and Embiid in the top two, Shea pushing top two, often top three, and seemingly at worst number four. And so people are like, wow, I'm really surprised. And this was, I've been trying to tweet out very short versions of some of these thoughts just to kind of get Twitter into basketball or get myself maybe back into the basketball side of things on social media after a harrowing few weeks and trying to figure out what social media was going to look like. But if, Shea is going 2, 3, and 4. That basically makes him the number 3 guy. Not because other guys aren't going to be drafted in front of him from time to time. They will. It's just that those other guys really aren't making it where he goes. And the only one that's close is Luka Doncic. Because everybody's looking at him like, oh, this is a guy who shoots 50% from the field, including three three-pointers a game, but still can't hit a free throw? Maybe that'll come around. Or maybe they're just punting it. Either way, you kind of understand that one. You do, again, kind of 
set yourself up for a particular team build, but you are seeing some Lucas at two, some Lucas at three, and then he very rarely in these drafts slips too far past four. So maybe it's more accurate to say that Jokic is the clear number one, Embiid is the clear number two, and then Luka, Shea are kind of battling for number three, where you'll see Tatum in there every once in a while when someone's like, look, I want the guy who's going to play 74 games, even if his per game is five slots behind these other dudes. Because Jason was number 11 this year per game, which, again, like that's, that's pretty far back of a guy like Shea. It's not obvious when you look at him, because, you know, Shea 31 and a half points, Tatum 30. Tatum two extra three-pointers per game and four extra rebounds. His assists are relatively close. Tatum 1.8 defensive stats, Shea 2.7. That's a pretty good jump. But then what often gets overlooked here is that Shea was about 5% better at both field goal and free throw. Just a whopper of a free throw season for him. But I get it. Tatum plays. That makes sense. However, because he only slips into the top three or four every once in a while, he's much more often at five or six, he probably falls into the front end of that next group. This stuff is all subject to change, but as I sort of squint at it, first with my right eye and then with my left eye, and then I squint at it with both eyes just for good measure, it does kind of feel like this is the way things are going to be. Jokic is likely going to be number one. We're talking ADP right now. We're not talking my rankings. We haven't gotten nearly that far down the board yet. We'll get into that probably more once Yahoo starts to open up their leagues and we have a point of reference against actual ADP. Because I actually build my rankings not necessarily off strict projections, but off of ADP data. We look for targets, not just a whopper of a list. I know, I know. Here's the thing. Does that make me someone who does less work than someone who puts out a full list? I don't know. I guess you could argue that. I don't think that's true. I think that... Look, let's go back even farther. Because I feel like the more I say here, the more it's going to sound like I'm dogging lists. Which I'm very much not. It's just not the way my brain operates. And if you're listening to this show and you have been for any measure of time, you know that our goal here is to simplify fantasy basketball. One of the ways we can do that is by not complicating things. Massive lists can be complicating. You then try to sort them against the way the names are aligned on the board. You start to forget what order people are going in. You start to forget when you should take guys and what round. It does feel like this is a discussion that maybe needs its own podcast, but... I just dropped into it, parachuted into it out of the sky here uh, because it's July 28th and who the hell who the hell cares what I'm doing on July 28th. Point is, and maybe we'll do a show on this next week or maybe we'll save it until August, I think there is a way to simplify this stuff and that's one of the ways. But let's get back to what we were talking about, which is what are we learning about what is now likely the way the first round is going to shake up? And does it even matter? The reason that we want to break these things down is because you're going to get your draft position at some point, an hour, half an hour before you draft, two days before you draft, three weeks, whatever. Once you have that, 
it's pretty important to know the names that are likely going to be on the board for you in the first two rounds. Because after that, it gets a little bit murky. Third, fourth, fifth, you can have a, a vague idea. Beyond that, you really aren't going to know very much, and you're going to have to be sort of swinging around in your swivel chair. But the first two rounds, that's where you build your strategy out for the rest of the draft. And the names that are available for you are relatively consistent based on this bucketing. And I feel like I need to go back and talk more about that. Those of you that have listened to this pod for a long time know that I favor an idea known as buckets for players, which is kind of what this whole ADP process is. Once you know where guys are going, and once you know what general production bucket we believe they're going to fall into, you can make a plan for what order you think those guys should get drafted. I actually think it's probably more important, and frankly, we'll spend less time on it this offseason than we have in previous ones, focusing on only the top, call it 30 to 40 players, and what buckets they fall into. Because like we talked about when we were analyzing the way that things finished up last year, remember we did that that series of four or five shows, I think that was in May? April? May? I don't know, I'm just yelling out months at this point. Where we discussed the chunks of players, the top-end guys, the second-round dudes, the ones we think can go up versus down, and then kind of the old man area, which has generally been kind of in that 25 to 50 range. Guys fall because other guys are being artificially pushed up the board by hope and shininess. I don't know that we need to do buckets beyond that, especially when you focus on these top ones. Because if we know, look, somebody gets first overall pick, they're taking Nikola Jokic. Even if you think there's actually a chance this year that Embiid passes him, and I actually think there is like a 15-20% chance that it happens, I don't think Jokic is going to play nearly as much this year. And depending on how this whole Philadelphia-Harden saga plays out, maybe they need more from Embiid. Does that cause him to get hurt? Yeah, maybe, you know, double-edged sword kind of thing. But Embiid seems to be number two. But what if you land? What if you get the fourth overall pick? You should be aware that you have like a 50-50 shot that Shea is still there. Or is he going to go third? Is it going to be Luka? Is it going to be Shea? If you have the fifth overall pick, you should generally start to game plan on picking between Tatum... Halliburton, Steph, Dame, Giannis, and whatever name that I obviously forgot. <laughs> did I? Not Luca. Who the hell did I leave off the board that I was talking about earlier? Ba ba doop ba doop ba doop ba doop boop. Well, I guess we moved Luca up into that that thing up above. So yeah, I guess it's five names now. And Giannis is only if you're punting free throws okay i've got the fifth pick what am i doing well you can basically assume that those main guys are off the board with the possible little shake up that in some drafts halliburton has gone forth and some you've seen tatum move up into that group really haven't seen the others quite get that high and then you can start to game plan all right i got fifth pick um if Tatum is off the board, I'm taking Halliburton. There's almost no chance that both of those guys are gone. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This is this is a hypothetical, by the way. This is not, again, we haven't totally pushed this thing through, although saying that out loud doesn't sound all that insane. 
Then what do you do in the second round? Well, we haven't gotten that far. And I don't know that we will get that far until we get a little bit more solidified and significant data, because right now we're working again with like 12 drafts, so some of this can shake up. But it does, to me, feel kind of like the top nine are almost all the way locked in. Maybe 10. The one thing we've noticed in all of these drafts, and they're happening with different people in different formats and different settings and all that stuff, is that the top 10 is almost replicated in each of them. You got like one dude popping his head around the corner like that meme in each of these drafts of among the names that I've said. The 10 names that I listed so far, Jokic, Embiid, Shea, Luka, Giannis, Halliburton, Tatum, Steph, Dame, and we forgot somebody. Or maybe I did mean top nine. What am I getting wrong here? Yeah, I guess it's nine names, isn't it? All right, top nine, whatever. Sorry, bad counting by me. Every once in a while, somebody else pops their head in the door. Anthony Edwards, we've seen him pop his head in the door once or twice. Um, you saw KD. KD popped his head in the door one time. Demonis Sabonis popped his head in the door one time. Settings must have been different in that league. JJJ popped his head in the door one time. Kyrie popped his head in the door one time. Those guys aren't sticking, though. Who got pushed out in those? I think Dame got pushed out. Most of the time, Dame is the guy that gets pushed out when someone else sticks their head in the door. I think one time it was Steph. But the top nine is actually starting to get pretty well locked in. This becomes interesting data if you have the 10th pick now. Because now, you're starting to look at the next group of guys. Which, by the way, pretty off the wall. The only name that's kind of uh, two, really. The two names that are sticking in like the next three or four that you pretty much always are seeing here between 10 and 13. Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis. In some weird order. What, who else is with them is the, anybody's guess. Sometimes it's LaMelo Ball. Sometimes it's JJJ. Sometimes it's Harden. Sometimes it's Booker. Sometimes it's Donovan Mitchell. Sometimes it's Trey Young. Sometimes it's Kyrie Irving. It's all over the map. The other two, they're like guest hosts here. You have no idea. But KD and AD are kind of that next group. But you don't know if you're going to get them in there. Or you might even have to You can get them earlier. You can get them later. It's getting a little wild. And I don't think we're going to go any farther than that because we don't have the data for it. But you know what? This is interesting too. Because even in a small sample size, and we could write it off and just say, ah, small sample size. This is important to see because when we get the ADP data later, and it's like, oh, well, Kevin Durant generally is the 10th guy picked, and Anthony Davis generally is the 11th guy picked, it doesn't have the same sting to it as when someone's like, oh, Shea is generally the third player picked. Because it is actually often him. This whole KD and AD thing here, which I think we're probably going to see something like that in next month when Yahoo opens up their leagues, and then the first ADP data will come not that long after that is you got to remember, those numbers are averages. So just because those guys are averaging out to be the 10th player and 11th player picked, it 
doesn't mean that they're always going to go there. It means that they're going to be close to it. And that's what it means for all the ADP information. It's just that as you get down the board, basically every bucket we clear, the ADP data gets less and less, I don't want to say helpful because it's always helpful, but it gets less and less close to the actual draft position where these guys are going in your individual draft. Anthony Davis might go at 10. He might go at 13. He might even fall a little bit farther if you're in a league that where injuries really mess you up. You know, maybe you're in a league where there's like one IL slot. He's sl- he probably drops farther down the board. KD, similar story. This is all stuff we need to remember. But I did think that it was kind of interesting that that top nine is pretty well locked in with now we can argue one, Jokic, bucket two, Embiid, bucket three, Shea and Luka, bucket four, Tatum, Halliburton. Now they get their own bucket or do we put them in there with Dame and Steph and Giannis? Doesn't matter, I guess. Hair splitting 101. But either way, I did think that that was kind of fun. Forgot to do a full-length drop today, but we do want to give a shout-out to calderalab.com, our newest partner here on Fantasy NBA Today. I hope you guys have checked them out. If you haven't, please do so today. This is the simple plea. And use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, to get 20% off on your first order Take care of your faces, men. Stop looking so old and haggard. Stop showing up to parties with your beautiful significant other and having people go, what on earth is he doing with her? That's not fair. That's a very heteronormative ad that I just read. Your significant other, whoever they may be, probably looks better than you do. Great advertisement, Dan. Insult your listeners. Look, I just look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, that guy needs to shave. That guy needs to get a haircut. That guy needs to deal with the fact that his eyes look like he has two children under the age of seven. You know how you can start to deal with that? Using ethos over at calderalab.com. C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. Promo code ethos. Check him out today and have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Back at you next week. We're going to sort it out. Finally, I'll be out of purgatory. I will be able to... Speak to other human beings on a schedule that we decide makes sense. We'll talk to Keith. We'll talk to uh, Fiddle. We'll get their thoughts on the season win totals, their favorites, and we'll finish up some of the win totals that were uh, coming up here later and just some thoughts on kind of which way you can go on those. And then we'll pivot back into some other stuff on fantasy basketball. Enjoy the trade deadline. That's coming up first thing next week as well for baseball. uh, I'm going to try to keep my Twitter account a little more focused on fantasy NBA. It does seem like we can kind of start to get into it a little bit. So I look forward to talking to you over there. Dan Bespers on Twitter, Dan Bespers on threads. Have a great weekend again, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday as I garble my way through the outro. Whatever. Later for now. <laughs> <laughs>